Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 171, the story of the two-step turkey. And I am your host and the guy who has a very high center of gravity. Yes, I have very poor balance. So that's pretty random, isn't it? Maybe, maybe not. What is not random is that we are 42 days, 11 hours, 8 minutes, and 48 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. Yes, we are 6 weeks and 11 hours away from me being in the woods with a shotgun camo on turkey call in mouth and ready to go so you guys have been telling me in your surveys and the emails that i've been asking you to complete for me over the past few weeks that you want more stories you want more turkey hunting stories in fact respondent number 14 to the survey because I don't know the name or the email address of respondent number 14, but respondent number 14 recommended that instead of having guests on the show during turkey season, to just give highlights of my hunts during that week. You know, I thought that was a pretty interesting suggestion, something I'd never thought of before, and I think that suggestion has legs and may get running. I think that Doing that combined with a gobbling report from various parts of the country might be pretty cool. And some of you guys have suggested that I do that in last year's survey. And most recently, Wills Willihan suggested I do that this year. So that may be something that I add in here as well. I guess if there's some good to come from being six weeks away from opening day of turkey season is that I've got time to mull those ideas over shape them, reshape them, and bring it to you guys in some fashion. Now, if you want to let me know your thoughts about those ideas, then shoot me an email, andy at iamturkeyhunting.com, and just say, hey, great idea, or hey, poor idea. I'd love to hear from you. Okay, so getting back to the topic of you guys wanting more stories. Yeah, I went down a little small rabbit hole, but not not too far off base there. Well, today, that is exactly what you're getting. So today I have the story of the two-step turkey, and you'll find out why I call him that in just a little bit. First, let me lay the scene for you. This particular piece of hunting property 
has a dirt road that runs mostly north and south with a very large hill on the west side and a very large hill on the east side of the road as well. It's a great road in the respect that it's fairly wide. It's about 20 to 25 yards wide in most places. And where I access this property is at the south end of this road. And this is one of the main roads that runs through this piece of property. Now, once or maybe twice a week during turkey season, the turkeys in this area will actually roost on either the hill on the east side of that road or the hill on the west side of that road. And when they do that, they'll typically fly down on the road those days. Not always because they are wild turkeys, but typically they'll fly down on that road. And the days when they're roosted on the sides of those two hills, those are the days when I have to generally walk about a mile and a half to get around those birds because there's no way to walk down that road without spooking the birds off the roost. And the reason that I have to walk that far to get around them is that every time I've caught those birds roosted there, either on that east hill or the west hill, they fly down on the road and they travel north on the road. Remember, I'm to the south. That's where I park and where I access that property. So if they're gobbling there on the on either of those two hills, I've got to circle around to get to the north of them. And also remember last week, Tony Reynolds saying that it's much easier to call a turkey to where the turkey wants to go instead of where you want him to go. And I've had good success circling those birds when they've been roosted on those hillsides, getting to the north of them because they want to go north anyway. And I don't have to try to force them to do something they don't want to do. Well, this particular day, I parked the truck on the southern property line, just like I do all the other times, at the southern end of the road that runs through that property, and I stood there and I listened, just like I do when I normally hunt that piece of property. While I stood there listening, I heard a couple of birds gobble a few times pretty far to the north of where I was, and not on the hillsides along this road where they might roost once a week. And because I did not hear a turkey on the side of the road on that hillside, I thought I was safe to walk down the road to the turkeys that I did hear gobbling. Seeing as how it's starting to crack daylight and I knew that those gobbling turkeys were not going to be on the roost for very long, I needed to make some tracks. So I slung Black Death, and for those of you who don't know who Black Death is, Black Death is my Browning 12-gauge shotgun. But I slung Black Death over my shoulder and... I started quickly walking north on the road towards those far-off gobbling birds. Now that morning I did something that I normally don't do. I walked down the middle of that 20 to 25 yard wide road. Normally I don't do that because it is just always a bad idea to be that much out in the wide open when you're hunting anything, but especially when you're hunting something with the eyesight of a wild turkey. When I'm hunting and walking down a road or a two-track, I almost always try to walk to one side of the road so I can duck into the underbrush or the trees if a bird gobbles close by or I can freeze where I am if I catch a glimpse of some movement up ahead. But I didn't do it that morning. And I know you can probably guess what happened next. So as I mentioned, I was walking rather quickly 
towards those gobbling birds. I rounded a curve in the road. I walked about 15 yards past the curve, and a turkey gobble just about causes my heart to explode. I immediately slammed on the brakes mid-step, looked about 70 or 75 yards up the road ahead of me, and there stood a turkey, a long-bearded turkey, on a tree limb about 75 feet above the roadbed that I was walking on. There was nothing between that turkey and me except for clear, cool, early spring air. I was stuck. Knowing that that bird saw me walking, I knew that any chance of a hunt on that bird was over. But I couldn't move. I could not bring myself to move. Something in the back of my mind told me not to move. That bird had not flown away yet. And there's a chance, albeit a snowball's chance, that perhaps, maybe, possibly, the turkey had not yet seen me. He did gobble on the roost while I was walking down the middle of the road towards him at a point in that walk where he should have already seen me. So I'm telling myself, don't move, don't move, don't move, do not move. So there I was, literally like time had just stopped. Mid-step, gun on my shoulder, hands out to my side in mid-swing, head net on, and gloves on my hands, frozen and waiting. After all, what did I have to lose at that point? I knew exactly where a male turkey was. And looking back at that one fact alone, I was in better shape than probably 75% of anyone else who may have been turkey hunting that day. So I had more to lose by just saying, okay, my hunt's over and continuing to walk down that road towards those gobbling birds than I did by just standing there. So that's what I did. I stood there trying not to lose my balance and fall or breathe or blink, watching and waiting for the bird to do what scared turkeys do. And it didn't happen. Instead, he rips off another gobble from the roost. I could not believe it. I felt like Jim Carrey's character in Dumb and Dumber, I think it's Lloyd Christmas was his name, saying, so you're saying there's a chance? Yeah! But I still had several issues that I was unaware of how I was going to overcome. As I mentioned when I opened the show, I have terrible balance. I am relatively athletic, even still in my old age, but I have terrible balance. In fact, it's kind of a running joke in my household. (laughs) My wife and I will be standing next to each other and she'll just lightly bump me in the shoulder and (laughs) I'll have to move my I'll have to move my leg out to the side to keep myself from from toppling over (laughs) so anyway this is just adding to this story so again I have terrible balance and I have been in mid stride frozen in mid stride for what seems to be, to me, about four and a half days at this point. I need to be in a more comfortable and stable stance. It's not even a need. I have to be in a more comfortable and stable stance. Again, my shotgun slung over my shoulder, and I'm standing in the middle of a dirt road with nothing but daylight between me and that turkey. Oh yeah, and that's becoming a bigger issue by the second as well. 
because it's becoming more and more daylight with every single breath that I take. And now that I'm talking about it, I guess I have just really one big issue. I have to move. I have no choice. So first things first, I can't balance any longer. And like I said, despite being in decent physical shape, I'm straining muscles that I didn't know existed, holding my current position the way that it is. And I have an extremely unstable base to shoot from, even if by some strange chance I get the opportunity to shoot. So very slowly, over the course of the next two, maybe three minutes, with that turkey gobbling on the roost, I shift my weight more to my front foot, and I oh so slowly start to move my back foot forward towards my front foot. When I get my back foot to a point where I thought I would be more stable, I slowly shifted some of my weight to my back foot, giving myself more balance, more strength, and a much more solid foundation. Now that was done, but I did kind of feel fairly comfortable moving my legs and feet slowly because of the angle of that turkey in the tree. And my bigger concern was not moving my upper body while I was repositioning my feet. But it was done. I was more comfortable. I was happy. And now it's time to tackle issue number two. How in the world do I get my gun off of my shoulder with two hands on it and shoulder the butt of that gun in case that gobbling and now fidgety turkey decides to fly down in range of me. The reason he's fidgety is because it's getting to that time of mourning for him. So I have an idea. It's a harebrained idea, but I have those every day. So I know that sometimes those harebrained ideas turn out to be successes. And my idea was this, that I would slowly, slowly, slowly move my right hand to the small end of the buttstock to the grip of the buttstock, basically, where it meets the receiver. And if I can get my right hand there without scaring that turkey, then I can get a good grip on it. And when the turkey starts to fly down, his motion or movement would be enough to shield my movement. When he starts to fly, everything in his world is moving. And if I move, how's he going to distinguish that I'm moving when everything else around him is moving as well? I thought I could possibly swing and sling the gun off my shoulder, pull the butt pad to my shoulder, move my left hand to the forearm of the shotgun, and in one second or less be ready to shoot. Heck, I've watched enough episodes of The Rifleman to give this idiotic idea a whirl. <laughs> so... Again, I say, what do I have to lose? This turkey should not be in that tree gobbling at this point. This turkey should have flown off as soon as it saw me. What do I have to lose? So I start to slowly move my right hand towards the gun while watching the turkey gobble and turn from facing one direction to the other. He's getting ready to fly down. You know what I'm talking about. He's showing me that he's looking for hens and a landing strip. And daylight is telling me my time is running short. After what seems to be 15 minutes, but I'm sure was probably more like three or four minutes, I finally get my right hand to the grip of the buttstock of the gun, and I get a strong hold on the gun. Now is time for me to wait for him to move and to pray that three things happen. 
number one, that he flies down in my direction instead of the opposite direction. Number two, that my harebrained idea of drawing my shotgun when the bird takes flight won't scare the bird and cause the bird to veer off into the woods while he's flying down. And number three, that he lights within shooting distance from me. After what seems to be about 10 more minutes, and I'm sure was probably one more minute, I see that little rock forward that a turkey gets before it goes to fly down from its roost. You know that last little, I think I can, and off the roost he goes. As soon as his feet leave the tree branch, my body starts moving, and my brain says, he's coming our way. And at the same time, the gun comes off my shoulder, using my right hand, the barrel swings back and down towards the ground as the buttstock swings forward and up to my shoulder. Then the buttstock plants on my shoulder about the same time my left hand comes to the forearm of the gun and I'm shouldered and ready to shoot. Now let's get the cheek on the gun and get the line of sight down the barrel at the same time that I'm trying to get the barrel pointed to where I think that turkey's going to hit the ground. That's done. Now the safety's off and I just need him to hit the ground, aim at a point, put the finger on the trigger, and touch off the shot. That turkey hit the ground not far from where the gun was pointed. I made the minor adjustment, got on him, he got his feet underneath him, and he immediately realized that he'd made a mistake. I don't know if he realized that he likely finished his last fly down, but I knew it. He took a quick step towards me and a quick step to his left, and I made our ears ring. That turkey landed in the middle of the road that I was standing in the middle of about 20, maybe 22 steps from me. At the time, I was probably like most of you guys are right now in total amazement at what had just happened over the past 15 to 20 minutes. I walked over the turkey, admired him, thanked God for giving me just another day to enjoy everything that he put here for us. I took a turkey selfie and then carried the turkey back to the truck for a ride home. As I made that short walk back to the truck, I chuckled to myself that I was going to have to make up a lie to tell to my turkey hunting buddies about how that hunt happened because there's no way they were going to believe the truth. I was going to have to tell them that I slipped in about 75 yards from the turkey on the roost, sitting down against a tree, waiting patiently for him to fly down and then calling him about 50 to 60 yards into range and shooting him out at 30 steps. That's the only story that is even going to remotely be believable. We've heard it a hundred times because it's happened a hundred times. No one is going to believe the truth about how this hunt happened because I don't even believe how this hunt just happened. Now, some turkey hunting purists out there may be saying to themselves, not only do I not believe that story, but I never would tell it. Andy never sat down. He never called. All he did was bushwhack that turkey. Yup, I sure did. I've done it before and I'll do it again. God only knows how many turkeys I've had dead to rights that got away somehow. Maybe it was a coyote that I never saw that intercepted and spook the turkey before I could see it, or before the turkey could get in range. Maybe it was a hen doing the same thing. Maybe I missed a shot on a turkey, and you guys know I will miss a shot. Whatever the reason is, something happened that kept me from filling a tag on a bird that I should have filled a tag on. 
But not this time. This time the turkey gods smiled and said, Here's a layup for you. It was a strenuous, stressful layup for a few minutes, but I was given the opportunity for a layup and I took advantage of it. And most importantly, that turkey ate just as well as the ones that I've called in and had a quote-unquote proper hunt on. And that turkey remains to this day one of the most memorable turkey hunts or any kind of hunts and one of the best trophies that I have ever had the privilege of taking. So here are my takeaways from this hunt. What? There are takeaways? Oh yeah, there are takeaways from a hunt like this. Very important takeaways. First, do not panic. Over the years, I've hunted with some guys who are so excitable that when they hear a turkey gobble off in the distance, they almost lose their mind. They start jumping around saying, did you hear that? How can we get to that bird? Is he killable? How far away is he? Do you think he has hens? How old do you think he is? Does he sound like he has multiple beards? All right, so maybe I'm a little bit over the top with this example here, but... They are certainly over the top in their level of almost uncontrollable excitement. And that is what happens to them when a turkey gobbles off in the distance. When one gobbles at a close distance and they aren't sitting down, they make a mad dash to a tree to sit down and more often than not scare off the turkey. Do not panic when a turkey gobbles and the turkey is close and you are not ready. Just freeze in place and assess the situation first. The proper approach when a turkey surprisingly almost blows your hat off with a gobble and you're not set up is to just get your gun ready. Get it to a position where you can hold it comfortably for a longer period of time if you need to, but a position where you only have minimal movement to make to be in shooting position. That is the only movement you need to make. Don't worry about sitting down. Don't worry about looking for a spot to sit. Freeze, assess the situation quickly, then get your gun to a comfortable, ready position and keep your focus and your eyeballs in the area that you heard that gobble come from. Number two, I just touched on it. You do not have to sit down or stand against a tree to kill a turkey. I can't tell you how many turkeys I've killed standing up because I either couldn't move to sit down like what happened with this turkey, or because I had a better vantage point standing because of vegetation or terrain. I'm not going to claim to know all the turkey regulations in every single state that has turkeys, but I'm not aware of any state regulations that tell us that it is against the law to kill a turkey if the hunter is not sitting down or sitting against a tree. Number three, always be hunting. When I step into the turkey woods in the early morning, I always have my head net on and my gloves on. Now, I'm not as religious about that as I probably should be in late morning or in the afternoon because often it's just too dang hot here in the south at that point in the day. I have no doubt in my mind that if I was not walking that morning with my head net and gloves on already, that I would have spooked that turkey off the roost. Number four, don't walk down the middle of a road or a two-track. If you can quietly walk to one side of the road, then do that. 
you'll be amazed at how much less game you spook when your camo has a good background to blend in with. Number five, the hunt ain't over till it's over. 999 days out of a thousand. I never would have seen or heard that turkey that I killed that day because I would have spooked him off the roost before I ever saw him. Well, probably he would have seen me before I saw him and I would have seen him fly off the roost. But regardless, I never would have gotten the opportunity to kill that turkey. 999 days out of a thousand. But we don't know if today is that one day out of a thousand. The hunt is not over until the turkey tells you the hunt is over. And this bird told me the hunt was over when his feet touched the ground. Not when I thought I was busted walking down the road. So listen closely because you never know when you're dealing with a turkey that has only one eye. Oh, did I leave that part of the story out? Did I not tell you that after I shot that turkey, I walked over there to him and I was admiring the bird. I happened to notice that one of that turkey's eyes was closed and scabbed over. I have no earthly idea what caused that. I don't know if maybe another male turkey pecked it while they were fighting and maybe it got infected and scabbed over. I, I don't know. Maybe it was a briar. Maybe it was thorns of some sort. I, I have no earthly idea. But that turkey only had one good eyeball. Okay. I hope that that was an enjoyable story for you guys. <laughs> that hunt definitely ranks up there in my top two or three most unbelievable and unforgettable turkey hunts. And I truly meant it when I said it. That turkey ranks up there in some of my top trophies that I've killed, even with my hunts to Africa, my whitetail hunt to Iowa, all the other incredible turkey hunts that I have. This hunt ranks right up there, and that turkey, even though that hunt went down the way that it did without a proper, again, I'm using air quotes here, without a proper turkey hunt. So let's do this. Let's jump into some turkey hunting news real quick, because there are a few things that I think that you guys need and want to know. Number one, North Dakota's spring turkey season has been set and 5,655 tags are available for purchase this year by North Dakota residents only. North Dakota season is only open to North Dakota residents. Now, that number of 5,655 is down 30 from last year. So the state has decreased the number of turkeys that they're going to allow to be taken. Any residents who are interested in applying can do so online at gf.nd.gov. G is in girl, F is in Frank, dot N is in Nancy, D is in Dakota, dot gov. The deadline for applying for tags is February the 14th, 2018. Secondly, Michigan's spring turkey application period runs through February the 1st, 2018. Now, that doesn't leave much time to apply if you're just now learning that piece of information from me. So get to it. Leftover tags will be sold first come, first serve until they're gone. And the season in Michigan runs from 423 to 531. 
Now, I made mention of this a couple of weeks ago, but here's your friendly reminder, because the time is now upon us. Land Between the Lakes quota hunt applications can be made from February the 1st through February the 28th. So get out there and put your LBL quota hunt application in. Number four, another friendly reminder for you. Be safe out there. A Maryland man was shot while turkey hunting, and he was shot by his turkey hunting buddy who thought that he was a turkey. We should use this story as a reminder to us to identify our target before squeezing off a shot that we can't take back. When in doubt, let it walk. Don't shoot. And I'll get the annual turkey hunting safety episode queued up for you guys soon, but it never hurts to be reminded of this multiple times. So that is all that I have for you guys today, but don't press stop yet, please. If you enjoyed today's turkey hunting story, then do me a huge favor, and it'll take just a few seconds for you. Your podcast player has a share feature in it. Pull your podcast player application up, click the share button in that podcast player, and text the link for this week's show to two of your turkey hunting buddies from me. Doing that helps to keep the show going and growing, and I'm very appreciative of all that you guys do to spread the word about this show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.